Welcome to Podcast 83, a regular look at the news, stories, and trends related to Michigan's 83 counties from the Michigan Association of Counties. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Podcast 83, the podcast put on by the Michigan Association of Counties. Uh, we are in an in a election week. We're recording this during election week in November, so I uh, hope everyone got out to vote. Um, a lot of local stuff, I'm sure, going on out there. And then what could be the the last week of the legislature that it uh, as as it may be, we'll see. It hasn't been confirmed or denied yet, but uh, still some uh, big issues moving through the legislature. We want to update folks on, and hopefully, uh, people stay close to their phones and computers as the these important issues run through the legislature. So first up, let's recap last week. Um, Dina, why don't you update us on the revenue sharing trust fund? A big issue we've been talking about, obviously, week over week over week. Uh, did have some movement last week, you know, as we come up to the finish line here, where where are we at with that that bill or those bills? Yeah, great. Thanks, Steve. Um, yeah, pretty exciting. You know, we, we've been pushing and pushing and pushing to have the trust fund bills um, moved out of the House and over to the Senate for quite some time. Um, and they took them up last week, took them up last week and passed them out of the House with an overwhelming majority bipartisan vote 106 votes for to pass it out four no votes um and really those four no votes are usually no votes on everything so we, we think it was you know in our mind we count it as unanimous vote but um yeah overwhelming support for the revenue sharing trust fund bills and for those who are maybe listening for the first time those are house bills 4274 and 4275 um, they do a carve out out of the state sales tax and put it into a revenue sharing trust fund, which would basically secure those revenues for local units of government for our statutory revenue sharing every year. Um, the fund would be able to grow because it's a percentage of the sales tax. Um, and then, like I said, kind of, you know, secure our, our dollars in that fund for appropriation out every year. So we're not really subject to the random, you know, recommendations for either increases, per, flat percentage increases or decreases um, based on the governor's recommendation. So we're pretty excited about that. Those bill, bills now went to um, the Senate Committee on Finance, Insurance, and Consumer Protection. We would love to have the Senate vote on them this year. So if you're listening to this this week, please, please, please contact your senator and say, hey, can you please vote these bills out? Um, would love to get them done, but pretty short time frame, we think, because we are going by the assumption that we're going to be done. Um, they're going to adjourn signing die by the end of this week. Yeah, good point, Dina. So, you know, if if you if you have uh, if you're a constituent of Senator Kavanaugh, Moss, Bayer, Irwin, McCann, Heisinger, Daly, or Tice, those are the, the committee members on that committee. Um, especially with the abbreviated week we're looking at. If, those phone calls are important. Those relationships are important. That's something we talk about throughout the year. So when thing, issues like this come up where we've got some good momentum going, uh, those phone calls and conversations become much more easy, much easier. Uh, so hopefully we'll see see movement on that this week and we'll be sure to keep folks updated um, as those move through. Moving on to another big issue that took up a lot of air in the room last week, um, the clean energy package, which you know sets some goals for moving to renewable energy by a certain date 
and included some siting issues that um, had to do with solar or uh, local governments. Um, so Madeline, you want to talk a little bit first about the clean energy package um, a little bit. I know we updated it last week. It kind of moved through uh, as moved through over um, to a different chamber. And then we can talk a little bit more about the siting issue as well. Yes. So the clean energy package passed the house at like one o'clock in the morning, Friday morning, I want to say. Um, it sets a renewable standard goal of 50% by 2030, 100% clean energy by 2040. And the definition of clean energy does include natural gas. It includes nuclear energy, um, solar, wind, hydro, even methane from um, that waste facility over in Kent County. Um, but yeah, so alongside the clean energy package was the solar siting legislation that would allow the Public Service Commission to site for solar and wind facilities rather than local governments doing it. And they ran that bill first in the House because if they didn't have the votes for that, I don't know that they would have pushed the clean energy bills. Um, and after some really tough negotiations, some very last minute amendments that were written quickly and behind closed doors, they did secure the votes for the solar siting bills in the house. Um, the new amendments say that there's a component of local control that developers have four months to go through a local unit. If the local unit denies a project, then it goes to the PSC, but there's really no reason for a local unit to deny a project in the bill. They have to match standards that are set by the PSC. If they deny for any reason, it automatically goes to them. So there's no local control. They say there's local control. Yeah, it's, it certainly seems like it's just an extra step in the process when there's really no ability for locals to to change anything or deny based on anything except what the state says they can deny on. So mm -hmm. uh, obviously a little bit of a kind of a pointless step in the process, in my opinion, to, to, to why make them even go to the locals if the locals can't say no anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, have their voices heard and maybe the PSC respects that who knows I guess we'll see um, but so yes those bills they passed the house but they've still got to go through the senate this week so there's senate right. energy committee today which is Tuesday at noon we're prepared to testify in opposition and then they'll likely be on the floor tomorrow Wednesday so we've got one more hurdle to jump through before they become law and we're gonna fight it tooth and nail but only well, and, and right, any changes to any of the House bills or Senate bills in either chamber would require a concurrent vote in the other chamber as they move through the process. So, um, yes. you know, if we're able to get changes in the Senate to the citing bills, they'll require a vote in the House to concur with those changes and vice versa on the clean energy package if there's changes, because it sounds like there may have been some confusion on mm -hmm. what bills were passed in the House due to it being pushed through so quickly where there may be some changes that need to be required there. So who knows what happens with that, especially when you have the House not taking any votes on Tuesday. Um, they're only going to be in session for two days this week. So um, 
yeah, kind of like a lame duck feel right now. Uh, you know, in the middle of November, um, with this stuff moving through. Okay, I I, I do have to throw in there though. We were here last week, two nights, very very late. And Steve, thank you very much. You stayed with us. It was great work trying to get legislators in the house to to really listen to what local governments wanted on that solar site or the renewable siting package. And we tried, we tried yeah. real hard. It was a, it yeah, was a we, big team effort. So definitely a team effort. Definitely. Um, you know, we were able to get in touch with a lot of legislators, spoke with a lot of folks, but sometimes with big packages like this and you have the governor leaning on you, uh, it's tough to get people to switch their votes. Um, not impossible at times, but, but it's, definitely an uphill battle but you know like madeline said we still got the senate um we have some folks in the senate there uh we'll see where where they land and and how much pressure is put on on them uh, by by our members by township folks other folks that want to maintain local control um you know they're getting the phone calls now too so the ball's in their court we do have two phone to action campaigns on both those items though on the citing legislation and the revenue sharing trust fund. So, you know, members who are listening, please pay attention to those phone to action campaigns. It's really simple. You know, you just got to hit a button and send a message to your legislator that helps support us and, and what we're trying to do for you here in Lansing. So. Yeah, it's real simple. You just go to our website, micounties.org, go to the advocacy tab, advocacy center, um, and they are listed right there. You click on them, take about three or four clicks and it'll will send um, messages to your legislators uh, about those issues. So uh, always be checking our website on that. We also send out updates, of course, on that. And then finally, uh, Sam, you want to talk a little bit about some of the um, juvenile justice issues and there's some minimum staffing, some health and human services issues that are going on. You want to speak to those, uh, some of those issues that did not move uh, last week. Yes. So I'll start off with juvenile justice. We're in the same boat with we have been with those for the last several weeks, which is they're awaiting votes on the House and Senate floor. Once those votes take place, those bills will head to the governor's desk. Um, I presume it's going to happen this week, but if not, as I've said before, those bills have a delayed effective date for October 1 of 2024. So less of a sense of urgency on that legislation. The Senate agenda for today does not include uh, any JJ votes, so we'll see what Wednesday and Thursday look like. Um, you mentioned minimum staffing as well. There uh, is House Bill 4688, sponsored by Representative Hodsma. That was voted out of the House Labor Committee on Thursday morning. That legislation would make minimum staffing a mandatory subject of bargaining for Public Act 312, my light went off in here. <laughs> I haven't moved in a while. Um, for Public Act 312 employees, so police, fire, sheriffs, um, and Madeline, was 312 for corrections officers, was that signed yet or soon to be? It's been yes. signed, yeah. Yeah, so that includes corrections officers as well. So we do oppose that minimum staffing legislation for several reasons, but the, the main reasoning being, you know, we're, we're already short sheriff's deputies. We're already short nurses in medical care facilities. Although the bill that was voted out of committee on Thursday uh, would not apply to those moving forward. Um, and especially on sheriff's deputies. So when we're, we're having a difficult time finding these employees in the first place, 
how is mandating um, bargaining for minimum staffing going going to resolve that? Um, it's more more of a recruitment and retention issue than anything. So, again, that was voted out of committee on Thursday morning. Was not voted out of the house, which means if this is the last week of session, um, that will not make it to the second chamber. It won't make it to the Senate, so it won't be an issue until next year. Um, that moving through the legislative process, and then the last thing um, is. A government immunity statute of limitations package that came up last week in House Criminal Justice Committee. Um, initially, those bills removed government immunity um, and held local units of government liable for um, cases of criminal sexual conduct by an employee of the local unit. The version of that bill that was voted out removed governmental agencies. It did keep in public schools, colleges, and universities. So we were initially opposed to that. Moving forward, we no longer have a position now that uh, local units have been removed. Yeah, so just to touch on a couple of things you mentioned there, mainly about process. So the minimum staffing bills are first chamber bills, which means Correct. they're house bills in the house. They didn't leave the house. If a bill is a first chamber bill, whether it's Senate bills in the Senate, House bills in the House, they have to pass out of a chamber and then sit five days in the other chamber before action can be taken on them. So if this is the last week, which again, we expect it will be, um, there's not enough time for the five-day rule to, to for, for those bills to sit for five days. That being said, though, even though we go signee die, whether it's this week or when they, whenever they do, those any bill introduced in this legislative session is still in effect. So it's not like the slate's whipped, uh, wiped clean. Um, there is an opportunity to still work on legislation whenever the, the legislature comes back, whether it be for a special session, which the governor can call a special session between now and whenever the legislature reconvenes um, for a specific purpose, or whenever they come back into session, when if it's next next year, whenever that is in the next year, you know, there's some moving parts there as well. Um, so I think that's important to highlight that uh, the process side of things, because you do still have uh, a disclosure bills sitting out there um, that were, you know, state constituents in the state of Michigan voted on action has not fully been taken on those bills as well to to be more transparent. Um, and there's really not a great agreement out there on where those bills end up either. So not that there's any teeth to not them not getting it done, but it was supposed to be done by the end of this year. So um, a lot of a lot of moving parts here this last week of, of session. And then finally, just to update everyone, we do have our policy coming uh, summit coming up December 7th. That's a month away. That's here in Lansing, but there is a remote option as well. We have uh, over 50 attendees already registered. Um, some of the topics that we'll be talking about, it's a one-day session. It goes from 9 till about 2.30. Uh, we'll be talking about county services on behalf of municipalities, uh, Michigan's justice for kids and communities legislation, um, what can counties and courts expect, uh, local and federal solutions to the Medicaid inmate exclusion policy. And then we'll be talking a little bit about a response to Michigan's aging and failing um, septic system. So uh, great, great topics there, you know, trying to keep people updated on issues as we move into the new year 
and uh, not take up too much time, but you can register for that on our website as well, mycounties.org. It's right there on the first page. You can see where you can register for that. Uh, again, in person here in Lansing, or uh, there's a remote option as well. So um, with that, does anyone else have anything uh, to update anyone on? All right. Well, great, everyone. Thanks for your time. Uh, stay close to your computers this week in case we need, need some help from, from our members to, to make some phone calls or emails. Uh, we do appreciate everyone's support as we move through this busy time. So thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Podcast 83.